welcome to Chi Alpha Roundtable, the official podcast for Chi Alpha at the University of Oregon. My name is Cassie, and I'll be hosting today, here to sit down and talk with Brandon. How are you doing today, Brandon? Um, I'm good. I'm very tired. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like everyone gives that answer when you ask how they're doing, but... That's pretty true. For me, it's I'm actually, I'm very tired. You're actually tired. Not that everyone else was lying. But. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Well, thanks for being here. I appreciate totally. it. Uh, our topic today is exploring the theme of worship in scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, often when we say worship, we use it as a sort of shorthand for talking about worship in the form of music. Like we say the worship team and mm-hmm. we're talking about like singing um, or playing instruments. Um, but while worship includes that, it's also a lot more than that. So today our hope is to point toward a more holistic understanding of what worship is and how it brings glory to God. Okay, Brandon, so let's get started. How would you define worship? Um, I define worship as singing. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I definitely, I mean, I definitely grew up in a tradition where it's, like you said, that's, that's kind of it. Like you, you have the worship team and that refers to a, basically the church band. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I, I definitely have grown up with it that way. Like it's a little bit of a pet peeve now for me when I hear like, we're going to go into a time of worship and it's always, always, always music. And I'm like, hold on. We need to, we need to revisit this and talk about what the Bible says. I mean, what we're going to find out as we talk about this is how broad the definition of worship is. Mm -hmm. It really encompasses like everything we do in our lives. I think as I've gotten into like Chi Alpha and I've started to like learn a little bit more about what the Bible says, I've come to think of worship more as our response to God, Mm -hmm. right? Like we worship because God has first loved us, because God has provided for us, because God is glorious just in and of himself Um, before he does anything for us. God is worthy of our worship. And so I've come to think of it more as devotion Um, Mm -hmm. and any activity or like mindset that leads to devotion to God can be considered worship. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not just music, although that's one expression of it, but there's a lot of other expressions that relate to that. And so I think too, like the Bible frequently uses the word posture, which is how I kind of get to the idea of mindset or activity. So one example of this we can find in Psalm 95 verses six through seven, and it says, Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. So reading that, I look at it and I'm like, okay, so let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord um, because we're his people. Like worship could be anything where we're doing that. Mm -hmm. As long as we're having this posture of submission before God, um, like healthy, good submission, that could be considered worship. Mm -hmm. Totally. True things, I agree with you. <laughs> True things. <laughs> um, another really great passage that I can think of on worship is Deuteronomy 6, 4 through, 4 through 9, which I'll read right now. This comes like right after Israel has been exodused. Is that a verb? <laughs> it's a verb now. It is now. They're out of Egypt. Mm-hmm. They're in front of Mount Sinai. God just gave them the Ten Commandments. They just sat for a long time, cross-legged on the ground. Mm-hmm. And it concludes with this. Um, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Stopping there, I feel like that's the pattern of worship. Mm -hmm. Like love the Lord your God with like every faculty of your being. Mm -hmm. Dedicate yourself to the Lord. So in verse five, we get three examples of parts of you that you can worship the Lord with. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, like the core of where you feel things, where you're passionate. Like Mm -hmm. it, it carries the same 
sort of meaning that we have with our heart, because we know emotions don't come from the muscle that pumps blood through your body. <laughs> but it, it yeah. speaks something like poetic about when I have strong feelings, maybe I get butterflies in my stomach. Mm -hmm. Love God with that faculty of yourself. Yeah. Be deeply passionate about him. Um, <laughs> Yeah, the second one says, like, love the Lord your God with all your soul. So, like, the things that are unique to you. Man, what, what is that? <laughs> what is a soul? What is a soul? Depends on who you ask. Yeah. Um, but I'm pretty sure, like, the Israelite conception of soul would have been, like, yes, it's your, your individual self, but it would include, like, that would include your body. Kind of your physical being, but also the things that make you uniquely you. And then with all your strength. That one I feel like is super clear. I think the actual like English would be muchness. Your muchness. <laughs> Love the Lord with all your muchness. That's great. Which is kind of great. Um, like, oh, I have a task I need to complete. Mm -hmm. With every fiber of my being, I'm gonna do it in a way that honors God. Yeah, like your effort and your will are all headed in this direction. I'm gonna yeah. love God. That's a powerful thing, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like physical strength, but it's like your your fortitude, your dedication, your devotion. Yeah, I could think of all kinds of examples where I'm faced with an option to do something well or to do something fine. <laughs> and that, it, that really is a spiritual question right there. Yeah. That's a question of motivation. And, what are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah. I love the rest of this passage too, like verses six through nine, right after these verses say, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Um, so just thinking about that, like God really wanted to impress these things on this people, but he also said like, hey, you need to remember them in every aspect of your life. Here's how you're gonna do that. You're gonna put reminders like everywhere you go, mm -hmm. um, because otherwise you're gonna be tempted to forget these things. And I just find that really true when we think about worship. Like, okay, if we're to worship God with all of our heart, soul, and strength, we're gonna need reminders to do that because we get led astray really easily. Mm -hmm. And it's very easy for us to, to like devote ourselves to other things. Yeah, man, to be so dedicated to something that you're going to teach it to your children, you're going to talk about it all the time with, with your friends, everywhere you're going, you're going to tie a symbol to your body in two places. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, like it's clearly very important to God. He wants them to be loyal. Yeah, this Deuteronomy 6 passage, um, Jesus is going to go back to when he's asked, like, what are the greatest commandments? Um, and he'll say, love the Lord your God, and then also love your neighbor. But he also seems to believe that loving this way is worship. That's what he's highlighting in that passage. If we worship God in this way, then we are going to love him and we are going to love others better because that's what worshiping God does. Dang. Jesus is great. It's fire. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I want to bring up Romans 12. I think Paul gives a really interesting like perspective on worship. Yeah. So Romans 12, 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, mm -hmm. holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Mm -hmm. What? <laughs> oh my goodness. To offer my body as a sacrifice. Mm -hmm. A living sacrifice. A living sacrifice, don't yeah. Just, don't just die. I feel like that is so applicable to like so many situations in my life. What does that look like when you think about that? A verse that, that kind of like lives rent-free in my head like all the time is 
in John where Jesus is going on. He's talking about the vine. Mm -hmm. And in there, he gives what I think personally is the clearest definition of what love is Mm -hmm. in in scripture. Mm -hmm. And it's like, there's no greater love than this to lay down one's life for a friend. Yeah. It's just so, there's so much in that. That could be jumping in front of a bullet for a friend. That's love. Mm -hmm. It also could be, man, my friend is just talking and talking and I'm not really in a mood to hear about his life right now, but Mm -hmm. I need to be here for him. So I'm going to die to what I want to do right now Mm -hmm. in order to love someone else. Mm -hmm. Like I will sacrifice what I want to almost any degree in order to serve God. And that is true and proper worship, that living sacrifice. Yeah. I think it points to the beauty of the gospel, right? If we continue to sin, if we persist in trying to do life our own ways, scripture tells us that the end result of that is death. Like that's the natural consequence of our choices. Mm -hmm. And Jesus comes in and says, well, hey, I'm going to make this sacrifice that allows you to go from death to life. And that's really the reality that we're living as Christians, being new creations in Jesus. And so when I think about this phrase that Paul's using of living sacrifices, it's like, well, you know, I was already dead. And so if I see my life that way, then I can like live out of that, you know, like if I was already dead and I've been given this second chance, then what am I going to do with that second chance? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to live in memory of what Jesus has done for me. And that's going to totally change the way that I live or Mm -hmm. should, right? Um, I'm Mm going to live a lot more radically and lovingly, hopefully, because I've been given an opportunity to do that when I wouldn't have had it without Jesus's intervention. Mm -hmm. That's like an active proclamation of who God is. And what he's done. In the same way, kind of, that singing is. Like, you could sing, man, how faithful is God? Or you could, like, behave based on how faithful is God. Mm -hmm. And it's like, wow, look at that person. Right. In everything I do, the truth should be declared, mm-hmm. pointing back to Jesus and giving him glory. Yeah. Not not myself. I think Colossians 3.17 really highlights that, and then probably we'll move on from there. But um, Colossians 3.17 is part of this letter where Paul is talking to the Colossians, and he's like, okay, I'm going to help you grow in spiritual maturity. Mm-hmm. And one of the things he says is, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. So in Paul's writing, we see he really wants them to remember Jesus in everything that they're doing and bring him glory. Um, Whether that's in word, which could be like a worship song, but Mm -hmm. also could be just telling your friend about how awesome Jesus is, but then also indeed in the way that you live it out. So moving on from there, one principle about worship that we find in the Bible is that we become like what we worship. Ooh, dang. Okay. All right. (laughs) This theme appears throughout the Bible, um, but is maybe the most explicitly described in Psalm 115. So actually, I'd like to read that for us, um, then we'll go from there. Mm -hmm. So this is Psalm 115, verses 1 through 8. Not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory, because of your love and faithfulness. Why do the nations say, where is their God? Our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. But their idols are silver and gold, made by human hands. They have mouths but cannot speak, eyes but cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear, noses but cannot smell. They have hands but cannot feel, feet but cannot walk, nor can they utter a sound with their throats. Those who make them will be like them, and so will all who trust in them. Wow. (laughs) I didn't hear that before we started recording this. 
is spicy. That is spicy. Yeah. So here you have the Israelites and they're talking about these enemy nations. And they're like, okay, so here's our God. We know what he's like. But these enemy nations are building these physical idols of their gods hmm. and then worshiping their idols. And so you see the Israelites bringing that critique. And as they talk about these idols, like the psalmist who wrote this seems to be saying that those who make these dead idols and worship them will become as dead as they are. So thinking about this, this principle and like idol worship or just worship in general, mm-hmm. um, how have you found that principle to be true? Yeah, I mean, I can think of all kinds of things. I mean, initially when I hear the we become like what we worship, I think, oh, you become like what you eat. And we are a product of our diet. And I don't just, I don't mean food. I mean, mm-hmm. anything that goes into our eyes or our ears will shape us. Content like stays with you and your brain reacts to it. Yeah. in a really live way. Um, so something about me is I really like I really like dance music. Like really aggressive, high energy, really fun. Um, you can jam with your friends. Um, and when I first started getting into dance music, I was on Twitter a lot because the producers are actually really active on there. They like to talk all the time. And I just I like wanted to know about them because I thought, wow, this music is so cool. Mm-hmm. I want to know who, I want to know these people. And I was just like following all kinds of guys and like reading their thoughts. And I was like, oh no, these guys are actually really like grumpy. <laughs> like there was one who would, I think it was a particular, it was like a political time of the year. There's a lot going on mm-hmm. in the political sphere. And he just had all kinds of stuff to say. And he was really unhappy. Mm-hmm. I would notice that I would, the more I used this Twitter specifically, mm-hmm. I would get more anxious and like more kind of angry and mm-hmm. I would like swear more. And I'm not saying that's yeah. a direct Twitter thing, but because yeah. of like the world I was starting to invest myself in, that the dance music world, the festival world, the mm-hmm. rave world, I started to adopt traits of that. Yeah. That made me less happy and also more hard to be around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think what you're highlighting is like maybe a different way of thinking about worship than we've explicitly talked about it, right? But when we really enjoy something, um, when something's really important to us, then we want to become like it or we want to become close to it. You know, thinking about like celebrity or a certain way of thinking, like we want to invest ourselves in that. And that actually is worship. We start to worship these things, maybe not explicitly, right? I'm not going to sing songs to Twitter. Mm -hmm. Um, Hopefully not. (laughs) I hope you didn't. But like that's still worship in the sense that it's, Like we are giving it our devotion on Mm -hmm. some level, maybe not the same level we give God, but right. If we're to worship God with everything that we have, we need to be really thoughtful about some of these other influences and things that we might be tempted to start worshiping in place of God or above God. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up in a home that just loves Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Favorite movie growing up. Um, We have a family friend who really, like really (laughs) loves Star Wars to this crazy degree. He has an entire room of like really cool memorabilia. It's like really impressive. And it's totally fine to have like a hobby and you're like something you're interested in. But this guy, oh my Mm -hmm. gosh. When his his, uh, adult daughter was moving out, Mm -hmm. his plan was to knock down the bathroom between his Star Wars room and her bedroom to expand it and make it three times as big so he can fill it with more stuff. Yeah. I went over to his house one time and he had this beautiful scrapbook he made of the signatures of all of the actors in those movies. Oh, that's super cool though. It is cool, but it yeah. start there was part of me that's yeah. like, yeah. This is starting to get a little uh sure. 
a little worshipy. Mm -hmm. These people were humans, just actors, yeah. who yeah. have become mythological in his mind. Yeah. And now everything, you, his whole house has been warped around yeah. Star Wars, Mark Hamill, just these, these mm -hmm. actors mm -hmm. who are average, like they're, they're us. It's just, we're all, this, we're all people, you know? Yeah, yeah. But it's, it, like, it's, it, it's interesting to watch someone like mm -hmm. change and be shaped and their entire world wraps around this thing that's <laughs> fiction. Yeah. I think that's really common these days in an age of media. Mm -hmm. Like we have all these huge... IPs, these Stranger Things and Game of Thrones and mm -hmm. still Star Wars, Marvel, oh my gosh. Yeah. I could talk for hours That's about true. Marvel. Yeah. I don't think it's just in media though, right? You walk around UVO's campus and you see celebrities oh, yeah. everywhere, right? We have um, certain athletes that do, I think, receive worship, mm -hmm. um, right? Our football team, the Olympic athletes on the side of the track stadium. There's certain ways that this appears that isn't just like media, which I think we tend to go to as like, you're our scapegoat for everything, but, mm -hmm. but also it really is a part of our culture here in Eugene too. We have to be really careful of. When I moved, first moved here, I was excited to buy my first bit of like UO merch and be like, oh, okay, there's, there's a fun camaraderie around. Sure. Hey, you, uh, you have a Nike swoosh too, and mm -hmm. uh, we all have the big O, and oh, that's so fun. And then there's like a clear like threshold where it starts to be an identity thing, like mm -hmm. I'm a duck, and anyone yeah. who's not a duck Anyone who doesn't wear Nike stuff, they're less than I am. Right. And extend it to schools. The rivalry between us and OSU, super fun, until it stops until it's not. being fun. And it's yeah. like, you see a, an OSU student and you're like, oh, you dirty beaver. Right. <laughs> and it, I, yeah. I, I like catch myself. This has stopped being a fun game mm -hmm. and it's become drawing lines between people based yeah. on a big O. And that's really dangerous. <laughs> it is. Yeah, but it totally happens. Just maybe a helpful way to think about it is like idolatry happens anytime that we put anything before God as a priority, mm -hmm. right? So if I'm putting God as a priority, I'm going to look at that beaver student and I'm going to think, wow, they're made in the image of God and they're awesome. But, you know, if I'm putting this like school rivalry over that, then that's going to inform the way that I see them as a person. Mm -hmm. um, I think about that with the story of the rich young ruler, right? Like he wants to follow Jesus. He said, you know, I'm, I'm keeping the commandments to the best that I can. And Jesus in talking back to him, like lists commandments. It, it's interesting. It seems to be modeled on the 10 commandments and he lists all the ones, um, that don't have to do with idolatry mm -hmm. <laughs> and seems to affirm that, yeah, okay, you've kept those, but maybe the implication is the ones that I haven't named, you're actually not. And he challenges the man to, to give away his wealth in order to follow him. And the man goes away sad. Yeah. And we don't know how that story ends, but it seems like there was this tension where he didn't want to give it up. Yeah. And we can become so entrenched in these things that we're like, I don't want to give that up. I don't want to give up Star Wars. I don't want to yeah. give up UFO culture um, in the ways that it might be unhelpful. Right. Yeah. And it's not like these things are inherently evil. There's nothing inherently evil about Star Wars or about mm -hmm. like this sports competitive culture. But when it goes to that extreme, we need to be really, really careful and not find our satisfaction in those things. Yeah. Right. Or in money or whatever. We need to find our satisfaction in God. He's the only one who can really fulfill us completely and is worthy of our worship completely. Totally. Yeah. There is, there's, a, there's a whole lot of danger in this. We become like what we worship, especially again at a sports school. I can imagine students getting wrapped up in, oh, I love football. And then you become a student athlete. There's always this crossover. 
You cross over from, I'm a student athlete who loves the sport to, this is the core of my being. Mm -hmm. My entire future defined Mm -hmm. by this. Football is the thing that will give me wealth and success and status. And then what happens if you get like a serious injury and you can't play anymore? Right. What happens to your identity? Mm -hmm. And along the way, what kind of moral sacrifices are you making in order to protect that identity? Mm -hmm. You know? Or even simpler, you're just someone who goes to every game. Mm-hmm. But you go to every game, even if it means you're missing schoolwork, even if it means you're missing, you know, a Christian event. Right. <laughs> you say you follow Jesus, but here you are and you're cheering on someone who's not Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right. It is kind of a worship event in some ways. So I think we just need to be really careful and thoughtful. Like, what's our thought process? What's our motivation for things? Are we keeping God in mind with the way that we conduct ourselves yeah. in these different areas of our lives? Yeah, it's hard not to talk about when U of O was on the news recently for mm-hmm. what they screamed about Mormons at a football game. Right. It's like it's a moral compromise based on an identity mm-hmm. united with our school versus their school. Yeah. And you kind of get it. stuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's worship and yeah. it changes you. Yeah. It like it has positive or negative effects depending on what the object of your worship is. Right. If you worship right. God, it's going to have positive effects. He will teach you how to love. He will teach you how to be humble, how to sacrifice for others. If it's something else, it can have a really negative effect on the way that your character is and the way that you treat people. Mm-hmm. I think with that, let's move on. Something that can get in the way of worshiping God, other than this idolatry idea, is this idea of a sacred-secular dichotomy. Um, we tend to view things as either spiritual or not spiritual. Um, like going to church or Chi Alpha events might seem spiritual, but doing homework or working out might not. Mm. Scripture indicates that this is actually a false dichotomy, a false way of dividing up our activities. Um, it teaches us that everything we interact with affects us spiritually, whether we realize it or not. And that's really important for us to realize if we're going to worship God with everything we've got. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about that for a minute. How have you seen this play out in your own life? Yeah, I mean, it's really easy to kind of section your life off, like you said. Like, oh, man, I'm going to church, so that means I've sprinkled the rest of my life with magic Christian dust. It's like, oh, okay, I've, I've punched my card, and now I, oh, yeah. we're, we're good. I can kind of do whatever I want mm-hmm. with the rest of the time. Or I'm not at church, so I don't really have to be as careful about what I say mm-hmm. because the people I'm with now, maybe they're not, you know, Christians or not as dedicated as I am. So mm-hmm. a little gossip is okay here and there, and... I've just kind of noticed that. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, it's like, what am I keeping in mind? You know, like, it's a little weird when your work is mostly ministry that you can actually totally forget God in the process, too. yeah. It's so true. Um, Right? Like, I might sit down to draft a podcast, for example, and I, like, don't pray ahead of time. And I'm just like, okay, here's what I know about God. And it becomes about what I know about God versus, like, doing something with God. And I think that's how I've started to think about it. Even things that don't seem as spiritual in terms of content, right? Like when I sit down and I watch YouTube or when I sit down and talk to a friend who doesn't follow Jesus or brush my teeth, you know, like the really Mm -hmm. mundane things. I forget that God is with me. Mm -hmm. And I think there's this invitation in scripture, like, okay, do everything with God in mind, right? As we saw in Colossians, whatever you do in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. And so... Mm. I think I and like all of us need to start reframing the way that we think about some of those things because Mm -hmm. it's really easy to forget God is with you all the time. And if I forget that God is with me, then I'm probably not going to worship him in the things that I'm doing. Yeah. 
yeah, holiness and like personal behavior is super, like it's super important because other people will look at us as followers of Jesus and come to a picture of what God is like based on what they see in us. Mm-hmm. I always think of uh, a verse in the Gospel of Luke where Jesus says, uh, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much, and whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. Mm-hmm. So I find myself sometimes like, oh man, house chores. That's a big one. <laughs> I live in a, in a student community house right now mm-hmm. where we have chores because it's a big house. It's got to get cleaned somehow. Yeah. And you know, you're going to balance out the fact that the rent is really good. So you're going to clean toilets every now and then. It's good for you. Yeah. Good so character. this past term, my, my house chore has been vacuum the guy's floor. You're going to do some other people's dishes who they weren't supposed to leave them there, but that doesn't matter because this is your job. And sometimes it's like later in the day, I have to do this chore now. There's a million other things I would rather be spending my time with. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the chore. But then that comes that like little whisper of, I mean, you could, if you didn't do this little part, nobody would notice, you know? Yeah. Like who would, who would know? And that's where I feel like the true definition of worship starts to really come out is, mm-hmm. well, no, because... God sees everything. And I'm doing this chore because I'm supposed to, but I'm also should be doing this in a way that like honors God. God sees me and sees me behaving faithfully. Mm-hmm. And that makes God look good, even if n- no one is watching. Right. Because yeah. like, if you're not faithful in the little things that you think no one is seeing, like that, that's a problem for your whole life. Faithfulness and integrity. Yeah. And it's not like God is sitting there watching you, waiting for you to, to mess up and yeah. do it and condemn you. But he certainly is hoping that we'll make the sacrificial loving choice. Mm-hmm. That's what he's trying to teach us and help yeah. us grow in. Yeah, it's an act of love and it, it, it redefines why you do things. Because now it's like, oh, wait, I, I mean, people will be seeing this. Like the other guys I live with, like this is a this is a love letter I can write to them with my behavior of... I appreciate you. So look how clean this room is. Like, I'll, I'll do your dishes. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Then they see that and then it does make God look good. And mm-hmm. boom, that's worship. Right. It brings him glory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely, I also lived in a community house and it said on the, on the chore chart, do everything as if it were worship to God. And I'm yeah. Like, yeah. This is good. This is a good reminder. Nobody enjoys chores that much, but yeah. yeah, okay, I'm doing it actually for the glory of God. Right. Not and just because I have to. There's that definition of love that Jesus gives again. I'm laying down my life for my friends. Mm-hmm. It's not about me. Yeah. It's about a clean house. <laughs> <laughs> it's about I love you and now the house is clean yeah. because of that. And this is how I worship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think we need to like not think of things as secular. Mm-hmm. Um, right? I can read a fiction novel, but I can read that with God in mind. Mm-hmm. How am I engaging with things? Am I... Am I being thoughtful about whether this is bringing me closer to God or away from him mm-hmm. in everything that I do? And if I don't have that framework as like a reflex in my mind, that's something to work on, mm-hmm. um, right? Building that habit of checking myself and am I doing this with God in mind? Am I praying as I wash the dishes, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, am I keeping him in mind so that I can bring him glory mm-hmm. and do things the way that he would hope that I would? Yeah. Here's one that I feel convicted of doing this podcast, I started out by saying how tired I was. Let's talk about worship in (laughs) self-care, you know? I feel like it's so easy these days to stay up late. There's so much things, there's so many things to like distract ourselves with. Go on YouTube or watch Netflix or you're listening to music or you're out with your friends and it's fun, but sometimes it will come at a cost of your ability to function the next day. (laughs) And I mean, the Lord literally talks about our bodies as a temple. Oh, you're supposed to like 
keep the temple nice because that's where you connect with God. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, I missed that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's real, right? Like, if we're to worship God with our bodies, then mm-hmm. the way that we treat our body actually matters quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Get yeah. enough sleep. It's, it's really good. <laughs> also, like, yeah. be wise with the things that yeah. you do actually physically put in your body, like the, mm-hmm. the way you mm-hmm. you eat and... Like the, those are ways to worship God mm-hmm. by honoring the the physical like thing He gave you yeah. <laughs> to like move about in the world. Yeah, without becoming self centered. Right. Then you are the object of your worship. Right. But do it in such a way that you're thinking, will what will bring glory to God? Yeah. Yes, me taking care of myself in responsible ways will bring glory to God. Me mm-hmm. like overindulging myself will not. Yeah, health, so, not vanity. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, Brandon, I'm so excited for this next question it will be our last question all right but it's like it's like a multi-part question it's like when you're doing math homework and they're like there's only four problems but then there's 20 problems oh yeah each one has a step so that's kind of what every letter of the alphabet um yeah so thinking about breaking down the sacred secular dichotomy Mm -hmm. seeing everything as having the potential to be sacred if we make it worship to god if we see it as worship I want to like take a moment for us to talk about classes and studies because, mm-hmm. um, you know, most of our audience is college students and yeah. often college students, but we could also do this with any like marketplace job too. But thinking through like, how can we see our studies as an opportunity for worship? Um, so how can we start thinking through how to do that? And I think there's like general ways to do this, right? We can pray that we'll learn something about God in our homework. Um, we can get our homework done on time as a way to like love our professors well, Uh, we can go to class or office hours, you know, doing those like responsible things. But I also want to talk about like specifically in our majors, in the areas of study that we have, Mm -hmm. um, what can that look like? So let's talk through like for specific fields and probably we'll work with the ones that we, you know, went to college for. Mm -hmm. Um, But then you can do this on your own time too, of thinking through, okay, with my major, how could I worship God? Mm-hmm. So Brandon, you were a graphic design major, right? Yeah, yeah. Yes? Yeah. Okay, cool. I was a theater major, uh, focused on like acting and education. Um, I studied English too, but theater was my actual major, so I'll yeah. go with that. So thinking through that for you, like how does graphic design bring glory to God? Yeah, so graphic design, there's just this really like cool way that you can mimic God in creation mm-hmm. by working on projects that encompass those things of creating beauty, order, and function. Mm-hmm. And you provide a utility for other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just so much fun. Yeah, I think for theater, it's, I mean, it's all about story. And when we look mm-hmm. at the Bible, it's also all about story. Ooh, okay. Um, which I love. I mean, there's like six different things I could list for theater, but I think that's what it comes down to is it's like theater is this exploration of what it means to be human, mm-hmm. um, what a good story is, deep exploration of relationships and how those are used to tell stories. And when I look at the Bible, I'm like, whoa, this is the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Ways. Um, right? The Bible is exploring this question of what does it mean to be human? Um, what does it mean to interact with different circumstances? And what does morality look like in those different circumstances? What's good? What's bad? Is evil, like, really a thing? Um, mm-hmm. Or is it more shades of gray? And I think theater explores that really well by telling complicated stories mm. and presenting them almost just as is, right? I think in some ways, in most productions, the audience is like invited to decide for themselves or to engage with the story and like figure out was, did that character do the right thing Mm, or not? And in some ways they're invited into that process, um, which I think is really cool, right? We look at the Bible too, and there's a lot of stories where something is just presented and it's like, 
well, it doesn't seem like God thought that was good, mm-hmm. but here it is, right? And I can engage with it on that level. But especially like if we look at the Bible as a story, and we've talked about this before on the podcast, but thinking through that, like God chose to reveal himself through a story, mm-hmm. um, right? The Bible explains like our need for him and what it looked like for him to rescue us and where we're going in the future and what restoration looks like. And I just find that really interesting that like, God chose to work through narrative to tell us that, to teach mm-hmm. us about himself. And so as I like work through stories, engage with that, um, I always have that in the back of my head of like, oh, okay, so I'm actually working in a medium that God in some ways prefers most of the Bible. Yeah. If you were to separate the Bible into different genres, most of it would be narrative. Yeah. So it's actually his preferred medium to communicate about himself. So when I like mm-hmm. think about that, like that's also something that I'm engaging in. Yeah. It makes sense too. Cause that is, that does seem to be our preferred form of content consumption. It's yeah. story, yeah. narrative drama. It's why we tell stories on the podcast. Yeah. And it's why we don't watch people read through textbooks for fun. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Even yeah. though there's a lot of valuable information in there, yeah. you know, it's not, not spicy enough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And theater has that design element too, right? Sets, costumes, makeup, totally. all of it. There's a whole lot to it, but, um, I think what it comes back to for me over and over again is story. Theater also actually began as a form of worship, um, not of mm. God. Um, Interesting. But I believe it was, it was either um, in Greece or Egypt, and I am not remembering my theater history class. Sorry, uh, Deb Courier, my professor. <laughs> um, <laughs> but actually, it started as a form of worship that came out of ritual. Um, mm. And so, like thinking about that too, even the origin of the field was worship of pagan gods, not of God. But yeah. taking that then and saying, oh, okay. Like, this is actually where we can take it now. We can use it as a form of worship. That's fascinating. That's I didn't know that. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dang. Theater's awesome. I love yeah. It. I also did a lot of theater, so I, I have a similar appreciation for the yeah for all that good stuff. Yeah. Okay, so we've talked a little bit about, like, the field itself, the area, but how do you see relationships in this field bringing glory to God in the way that people work together? Yeah, a really great way to bring uh, glory to God in your interpersonal relationships in design Um, I mean, a big one, like group projects. Oh my gosh. Especially with design, they were so big. Like our homework for the whole term would be three large projects. No exam, that like huge. Mm -hmm. And you want them to be professional. And these are going to go in your your portfolio Mm -hmm. to get work. So if you are like bringing your all for the other people you're working with, that will, oh my gosh, that'll make God look really good. Especially since it's so easy to just like slack when you're on a team. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you can make God look really good by showing up and being faithful mm-hmm. and consistent and working hard. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's similar to theater. Like all of theater is collaborative. Yeah. Even if you're doing <laughs> a solo performance, whatever, you telling your life story, like you're still going to have to collaborate with the tech people, with the people who run the theater. Um, like there is no project that isn't collaborative. And I think that really reflects like how God made us, right? God made us to be communal beings. Um, we're designed to be in relationship with one another and to Mm co-create. Um, one of the first commands that God gives humanity is to be fruitful and multiply in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Um, like this command comes before pretty much everything else. (laughs) And often we read that and think it's like, go and make babies and go and rule the earth. (laughs) But that's actually a pretty simplistic way to read it, right? God's actually inviting humanity to participate in co-creation and to like, to shape what they see. And so I think of that in the the creative process of theater, like 
everyone is bringing a different element of design or uh, bringing their character to life or directing um, and shaping like what things are going to look like on stage. And that collaboration, I think, is something that really God celebrates. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that he's invited us into. Um, and we get to collaboratively tell a story. Yeah. Okay, so when you look at graphic design, how has that area of study been distorted um, mm-hmm. compared to like what would have just naturally brought glory to God? Yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about idolatry, I feel like it's so, it's just innate within humans to look at abilities in themselves and be like, oh, wow, I'm the best thing since sliced bread. Sure. I remember when I was a student, at the same time I was in my major, I got into doing art on whiteboards. Mm-hmm. And I I gave that my all. <laughs> like, I, I was, they were pretty good. Mm-hmm. And I would, I, I actually was selling prints and stuff. Whoa. The way I should have been thinking about it was, man, I'm so blessed to be able to do this to get recognition for it. But it quickly becomes a, oh man, I heard the people in classes are talking about me. Yeah. I'm very cool. Yeah. And it, be- it becomes an identity thing. In the grander design world, art history classes I took where I learned about the most famous influential artists, it just becomes an ego show. Hmm. They define their entire existence based on this project or that project they've done or who they've worked for or the impact they've made, which it's super good to do good work and have a lot of impact on the world. Mm-hmm. But it's all about that person yeah. and they become their own kind of gods. Mm-hmm. They're gods of talent, the god of animation, the god of this and that. And mm-hmm. it becomes a really self-centered enterprise. And that was always present in class. This becomes about me. Mm-hmm. It sounds like pride. <laughs> definitely, bit. definitely. Yeah. I mean, for theater, certainly there's an element of competition inherent in I'm auditioning for the same parts as my peers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's definitely a like pitting against each other kind of feel at times. Um, and I think that's one way where it's distorted in the sense that like God doesn't ask us to compare ourselves to other people. Mm-hmm. That's actually not what our identity is rooted in. So... I think that's a potential pitfall in this area. But I think the one that comes to mind more is like the stories that people are interested in telling these days often blur the lines between good and evil. Mm -hmm. Um, Often like celebrate things that are not things that God would celebrate. Right. And so thinking about that and in terms of the kinds of stories that get told, I think that's one way that theater has become distorted from something that would just naturally bring worship and glory to God. Yeah, that makes me think of, have you seen the movie John Wick? Have, have you heard of this movie? I have heard of it. I have not seen it. It's it, the entire premise of the movie, I'll summarize very briefly. One guy used to be a hitman, mm-hmm. and then he's like, okay, I'm done. I'm going to have a normal life. And then other hitmen kill his dog. Mm-hmm. And the next 90 minutes of the movie is him killing every person. Just revenge, 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 mm-hmm. which God does not like. Yeah. And I'm like sitting watching this movie, I'm like, dang, this action is cool, but... I can't support what he's doing, yeah. even though like, oh man, that was a, it was a cute puppy, but bro, you just killed 40 people. Don't kill people. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we've talked about how this area has been distorted itself, but how have relationships in graphic design been distorted? Oh, there's so many things. So the way our, our, our classes are structured was we would get a little bit of training on a function or like a way of doing something. Maybe it's typography or a strategy for designing a poster layout in a way that's pleasing to the eye and conveys the information well. Mm-hmm. So we get a little bit of instruction and then we'd make a first draft and then we would post all of our first drafts on the walls Ooh. and then we would go one by one and we would critique them. Yeah. 
That was so fun, so spicy. But there's a couple things that can happen. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you do when you see a piece of art on the wall? You're like, that's garbage. Like, you're thinking that to yourself. What do you do? Yeah. So I feel like this is one of the places where I, I noticed myself in design. It's so easy for this to become a, God didn't give me these gifts. I am innately amazing. Mm -hmm. My animations are better than everyone else's. Mm -hmm. My posters are better than everyone else's. I understand this better than everyone else. And so I honestly wonder if some of my fondness for the critiqued time was because I believed my stuff was really good mm. and I just wanted to hear people confirm that to me. Yeah. So th there is a lot of danger. I mean, this goes back to what we talked about earlier of be careful what you find your identity in because finally when you get to a project that you're not good at, mm -hmm. guard yourself because <laughs> bad critique will stick with you if you're not careful. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like just in the relationships of graphic design itself, you have opportunities to get feedback and to be humbled. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Feedback, right? Yeah. So there's places there where that really reflects God's character. God gives us feedback. God gives Definitely. us um, and reminds us that we are not perfect or the best. Yeah. Those things. And it's, it was really easy to slip into this mindset of, oh, these people are my competition. But we weren't competing. We're just, we're all going to get our own separate grade. Yeah. And so you have to guard yourself. Like, this person next to me deserves as much success as I do mm -hmm. and as much encouragement and, like, help towards success. So I want to, when I look at someone's piece of art, and maybe I do think it's not as good as mine, but I want to, I want them to succeed. And so I'm going to be kind and compassionate, and I'm going to gently assist them in doing really well. Yeah. And in the design world, that could be very hard because it becomes ego so much and because people become famous for their art. Mm -hmm. It's hard not to want to get there. Yeah, I think in theater, um, man, this was an area I really ran into in college. Like, I kept trying to build friendships and the problem was our friendships were really like based on what project we were working on. And so the moment the project ended, like, whew, I feel really lonely because all those people have moved mm. on and they're really busy somewhere else. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's something like your, your community is really based on a current project, which means that you don't have a lot of long-term relationships or friendships unless you put in a, a lot of effort to maintain them, um, which I don't think is good, right? Long-term committed community is something that God celebrates. Mm -hmm. um, two, I think there's a lot of hedonism. Like this is, uh, this is a place where emotions and passions and doing what you want are celebrated. And so often what that leads to is some self-destructive behaviors like over drinking, you know, going out to parties, not getting sleep. Not that those things like in moderation are always terrible, but um, certainly that was the culture in theater where I went to school and it made it really hard for people to have relationships built on anything else. So I think the self-indulgence of the culture and seeing that in some ways as like how you make connections is like not, mm -hmm. not great and definitely not what God would celebrate. Mm -hmm. Okay, last thing. So what can we do to worship God in the way that we interact with our studies? Um, like what would that look like for you, Brandon? Um, yeah, so I studied, I studied graphic design as my major and my minor was audio tech. Mm -hmm. And I have a story that I feel like is a good example of how we, like, how we can see worship in what we do. It's mm -hmm. actually from my minor is the one I'll start yeah. with. So I, was, I studied audio tech, which was we were being trained in how to operate a recording studio, mm -hmm. use that huge like table thing with all the knobs and the sliders. Oh, it was so cool. Yeah. Man, it was so confusing though. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I had a test 
and it's not it's not a written test. It's you're gonna sit down with the professor next to you, and he's gonna say, "Okay, perform this function Ooh. on the soundboard." That's cool. And Brandon showed up, having not studied oh. at all. Oh. I kind of just assumed I would figure it out. Mm-hmm. That's not how this works. Mm-hmm. You would not believe how hard Audio Tech is. Yeah. So I'm floundering in front of my professor. Mm-hmm who was a guy who didn't really take crap from people. Yeah. So you could see the disappointment in his face. Yeah. And think about if you were that professor and a student shows up having not studied whatsoever and is just doing so terribly. Like, what are, you, what are your thoughts of that student? What is your faith in that student now? Yeah. Like, what kind of character do you think the student has? I was a slacker. <laughs> like, that's the, <laughs> that's the I, I assumed too much about myself mm-hmm. and I completely failed. And in the professor's mercy, he let me take the test again. Aww. I got to go and study and come back and yeah. do much, much better. It was actually how well I did the second time after studying was actually more embarrassing because of how <laughs> if I had just honestly study, <laughs> you know, yeah. actually show up for your exam, fully ready, honor the work the professor has done teaching you by showing you've were taught. That will make them feel good and like you actually respect them and that'll make God look good. Yeah. At that time, I was a freshman. I wasn't really vocal with my faith, mm-hmm. which I'm a little bit thankful about based on this situation. Because if this guy had also known, that would have made Jesus look really bad. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, here's an example of a follower of Jesus who's lazy and doesn't study. And we're at risk of that happening in our majors and the way we do our homework and the way we study and the way we prepare or don't prepare. People will look at that and come to a judgment about us and our God. Mm-hmm. For the students in your cohort or in classes with you, be a good friend. Like, support them. Help them succeed. Like, take time out of your day. Maybe you study with them or they have a question on a project or they're stuck on something. Die to what you want for that friend and love God to the maximum that you can. Mm-hmm. On your group projects, show up prepared, go the extra mile. Just all these things. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I would echo all of those things. When I think about what that looked like in theater, I was often surprised how just going into um, going into the classroom with the mindset, like, I'm here to worship God and, like, not getting sucked into whatever else was going on, like, yeah. really changed the way that I approached it. Um, like, we had 10 to 15 minutes to warm up before pretty much every class period, and I just decided, okay, you know, like, this is open time for me to, like, stretch and, you know, warm up my voice or whatever, but I'm going to use it as worship. And so I would go in and like, nobody necessarily knew that's what I was doing, but I would be like praying as I was stretching and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, like, uh, we would have a time where it was relational warmups. And so I'd be like, okay, I'm going to honor other people in the way that I do this. Um, and I remember even one time, like I was doing a group devising project. This was like one of my last, um, terms doing acting. And I was in this group and we had to like devise a new scene, like 10 minutes based on some material we'd read. And I remember over time, like the story evolved into like a retelling of Genesis two. It was super, or one and two, it was super interesting. Like these are not Christian students in my group, um, but like there's definitely a God figure and there's definitely an enemy figure Mm -hmm. and God has created this beautiful world and we all like are people who are being invited to participate in it. And then like we get sucked in uh, by the enemy and like greed kicks in and we start destroying the world because we can make money. And Mm -hmm. um, in the end, I just remember like 
the climax moment was we had this bucket, we were in a pool, um, and we had this bucket of water and I like picked up the bucket of water and splashed God in the face, like just the whole thing. Um, and she looks at me, um, the person playing this, this character who didn't have a name, but was God and walked away and like, we all just froze and she took what remained of the water and just poured it out. Like we would no longer have access to it. She cut us off. Whoa. And so the whole story up to that point had really followed scripture, except that in the end, in our scene, God gave up on humanity. Oh my goodness. And I'm like sitting here in this classroom, like participating in this thing. And I'm like, this is how my peers see the gospel. They Mm -hmm. don't see that God loves them. They see like God is uncaring and unkind. And I, I think just looking for opportunities of like, what do they believe? How can I build a bridge and say, oh, look, like, it's kind of interesting how this scene has gone um, that we all created together. Like, let's talk about that. I think looking for opportunities to have conversation based on the things you're engaging with. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a person right now who's in a class talking about like community. And so, you know, what are opportunities along the way where you could say, well, from a Christian perspective, um, you know, here's where I'm coming from, not necessarily to like make them agree with you, but to raise another way of thinking about it. Mm-hmm. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, Brandon. Yeah, you're welcome. This, this has been, been a lot fun. Of fun. And thank you, listeners. We would love to talk more about this with you in person. So as always, feel free to bring your questions because we would love to help you find more ways to worship, um, especially if you feel stuck on like, what does this look like in my area of study? Mm-hmm. We'd love to have those conversations with you. May God bless you this week, and we'll see you soon.